It is Friday, the 6th of September, 2019, and can you believe it is September already? I'm going to be a bit boring and say that it's almost Christmas already. I can't believe it. Anyway, my name is Jeremy Medlin, and welcome to episode 56 of the Stock Market Movers podcast. Just a quick reminder that nothing that I say today should be considered financial advice, and if you're looking for financial advice, I recommend that you speak to an authorised financial advisor. Today we'll talk about New Zealand oil and gas. They are going private, a piece of news that I really did miss. And we'll finish things off with a, a, a bit of a conversation about MetLife Care, who released their annual report during the week. But I'll start with a company that you may not have heard of on the NZX, and that is called Solutions Dynamics. I came across them because I was scrolling through the announcements during the week, and to be honest, I hadn't heard of them before. I that's, that's a lie. I'd seen the name before in a list of stocks, but I didn't really know that much about them. They trade on the NZX under the ticker code SDL, and... It's kind of ironic that I hadn't really heard of them because according to my broker, which is Direct Broking, it said they've been listed since 2004. So that, that's news to me unless they did one of those reverse IPO things and the and the data on Direct Broking isn't correct. But anyway, they've been around a little while. I'm not going to pretend to have any insights on them, but I'll run through a, a couple of things because at least then it, it's going to be a, a com- it's going to bring the company to a, your attention and if you're interested it might be a, a good starting point for some more research and understanding so starting at the top they have a market capitalization of around 24 million and there are 14.6 share- million shares outstanding so the stock is trading at $1.65 per share or, or thereabouts. So looking through the top 20 shareholders, there's no dominating shareholder or insider ownership, although I, I note that the chairman, John McMahon, has 10% holding. Interesting that according to his bio online, he, he spent three years as a managing director of ASP Security. So probably difficult to read anything definitive into this without finding out more, but I wonder if this means that he is approaching, I guess, business from a stock investing perspective. Warren Buffett, one of my favorite Warren Buffett quotes is he says that business is best when it is most investing-like and investing is best when it's most business-like or (laughs) worse to that effect, I may have butchered the quote somewhat. So as as you'd expect with a $24 million company on the NZX, it's not super liquid. Most people freak out at, at that sort of thing. But you know, I remember one, one time back in the day when Ryman Healthcare, it often didn't even trade in a day. So you know, I, I wouldn't be necessarily scared of illiquidity. You know, if you understand what you're doing and you're buying a company that you understand at a good price, you know, illiquidity is actually probably, in my view, and it's an alternative view, is more of your friend than, than a foe anyway. Um, Anyway, regardless of the liquidity, most of us, you know, it'd be possible to get a, a, a position as long as you don't do it via market orders. Anyway, what do they do? You, you can go to their website, solutiondynamics.com forward slash services and, and check it out. It says here that they do customer lifecycle management. I always find... I always find companies that do this sort of thing difficult to figure out without digging a bit deeper. Sometimes I... I <laughs> When you read annual reports, and I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, I didn't plan to say this, when you read annual reports in the United States, in the front few pages of the annual report, it seems to be an SEC requirement that they do a detailed description of the business, and that description is is normally pretty in-depth, you know, they'll talk about the business model, they'll talk about their competitors, they'll talk about all sorts of things, they'll go through risks for the company, everything like that. 
you know, US annual reports are often a little bit longer than, than New Zealand annual reports, but I would like to see something similar in New Zealand. Quite often, if you didn't know anything about a company and, 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 you, and you read the annual report, you don't actually find out anything more about it in New Zealand. There'll be a, a generic letter from a CEO, there'll be a compensation report, there'll be maybe a, some other couple other reports and then it'll be the financial statements and if you don't actually know anything more about the business going into it then you don't actually learn too much about the company from the annual report so anyway that's a bit of a spiel and maybe that's sort of similar sort of thing with solution dynamics it's it's because it's not a company that makes a widget or or does something that you see day to day it, it may be one of those things that you need to um dive a little bit deeper to figure out and often cases those are the those are the best sort of opportunities because sometimes if you've done the hard work to to figure out what a company does that means other people haven't and that can be an edge in the market certainly i think an edge in the market these days is is hard work because a, a lot of people with instant information and everything like that often aren't prepared to put in hard work so hard work, I think, is an edge in the market, and I think that's something we can all, all, all do better at. Okay, sometimes a, a shortcut to figure out these sorts of companies, though, is to, is to figure out who the customers are and work backwards. So thankfully, Solution makes this easy on me and lists some case studies on the website, so check that one out. First one I, I clicked of was, was Lion. You'll know them. They're the massive brewer. Um, so it, it looks like they did digital asset and marketing campaign management for them. So straight away, you know that that's the space they're in. To summarize, and I'm reading from the website, the problem with Lion is that the management of Lion's marketing assets and campaigns across multiple media ge- geographies and personnel was slow, time-consuming, and expensive. So you've got, you got a big company without any direction. Solution Dynamics introduced their software called Bremi, I think it's pronounced. You can Google that and find out more spelled B-R-E-M-Y. And they were able to streamline things to make them more efficient. So Solution Dynamics makes their money by charging for that service. And anyway, so you can go and read more about that and figure out what they do and think about growth and, and what the future is and everything like that. Anyway, revenue came in for the year. This is reading off the annual report at just under $25 million. That's a, a reasonable increase from just over $22 million the year before. So the top line is growing. Net profit after tax was 670k compared to 1.3 million the year before. They don't break out associated costs that much in the income statement, which is a bit annoying. But that that, that is what it is. It's sort of just in, it's sort of just top line income, expenses, profit. So it, it doesn't really break into marketing or research or, or anything like that. So they, they've got a pretty strong balance sheet. You know, there, there doesn't seem to be any short term risk of them going out of business. They have just over a, a, a million in cash and no real non-current liabilities to speak of. You know, they've got the typical payables and everything like that, but no real non-current liabilities. It wasn't gr- a great year f- for them on a cash flow basis, pretty much breaking even on cash flow before finance and activities. And it, as, as I said, this the stock is trading at a market cap of 24 million, which is about... 24 times the rush rough average of cash flow for the last two years so which which is a earnings yield of about four percent so you would want to see some growth in that cash flow to justify the valuation in the long term you know they're breaking even on cash flow in the last year you wouldn't want that continuing over the long term so that is 
that is what, what it will come down to when you're assessing this company if you want to buy at these prices. If you're buying at a $24 million market cap, you're expecting it to grow somewhat. But then again, in this market, maybe it's not ridiculously expensive or anything like that. But, you know, go go do your research. Let me know what you think. Jeremy at stockmarketmovers.co.nz. I'll be interested to find to find out what you think of the company. All right, moving on from Solution Dynamics. One thing that I definitely missed, and it's, it's reasonably big news if you're a market participant and, and follower in, in on the NZX is New Zealand Oil and Gas, they're getting taken out and delisted from the NZX. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this is a company that has been on the NZX and providing poor returns to shareholders for a long period of time. So they've been bought out by OG Oil and Gas Singapore, which according to their website is a private portfolio of international businesses essentially, and energy and, and whatever else they own. So they already own a, a tick under 70% of the shares outstanding, according to the NZO annual report. As I said before, NZO have been around for years. I, I remember when I was first interested in stocks back in the day, they they were trading at around a dollar per share yet per share then, so they've been around for a while. But I, I note now that the takeout price is $0.62 cents per share, so that probably gives you an indication of the long-term returns for NZO shareholders that have persisted with the company. It'll be interesting to see what OG's plans are with the company. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some asset stripping once privates or NZO has assets of $146 million and a takeover price is close enough to $100 million. So I, I imagine there will be some streamlining. Interesting to note that the stock is, is trading at above the takeover price. So this might be because there is something hidden in the scheme of arrangement that I've missed. It, it could also be because the market is expecting an improvement in the bid or, or another party coming along and bidding. But it's it's hard to imagine, as this hard, I think it's hard to imagine considering OG owns... 70% of the company already. So, or maybe it could be just because people have been stupid and are trying to buy something for more than 62 cents that can be sold for 62, that will be sold for 62 cents. I don't know. So I'll, I'll go through the press release and make some calls. Maybe some of them will be controversial if you're an NZO bull. Um, it is a 25% premium to the recent closing price. It is subject to an independent advisor's report concluding that 62% per share is within or above its valuation range. I wouldn't expect any surprises surprises there. Independent advisors do not make a living by rocking the boat in this situation. It also needs shareholder approval, which seems a given considering, considering that one shareholder already has 70% of the shares. Overseas investment office approval and court approval. Like I said, it's hard to imagine any of these falling through. The company already owns 70, one company already owns 70% of it. So the independent directors have said that they've taken into account the compelling premium offered to NZO shareholders. I didn't think it's that compelling, really. I mean, with the company trading at forty percent less than its asset value, and the stock, and and it's around the price that the stock was trading less than a year ago. So, it's not a compelling premium based on those two figures, anyway. So, the they've also said the changed operating environment following the government's decision not to award new offshore exploration acreage. So, I'm not convinced on that. Firstly, it's a long way off, and it's hard to imagine that not changing. Um, and secondly, it, it, it certainly hasn't put off a buyer from buying it. So how much of it, it can't, is, it, is it too much of a deal if, if this company is prepared to pay 
to, to buy out the company. I'm not sure. Um, the next point I, I take real issue with. Um, I'll, I'll read it word for word. The difficulty raising equity capital is a publicly listed oil and gas company on the NZX. I think that's rubbish, not to mince my words. You know, you no doubt they have trouble raising equity, but you're talking about a company that has always delivered mediocre returns to to shareholders and paid an intermittent dividend at best. I think their last dividend payment was in October 2017, if I'm remembering correctly. So the, the company has $211 million as contributed share capital, so that's $211 million that people have put into the company, and retained earnings of negative $79 million. So from there, it's, it's understandable that investors are not lining up to give them money. You know, <laughs> what what have they done with the money in the past? And, and, and this is one of the best money raising environments in history so you know i i I don't think i think if if you'd reverse those numbers and deliver good returns to your shareholders over a period of time i I don't think raising money would have been any issues so i i I do take issue with that point i I just thought the whole media release was was pretty rubbish that's my my opinion only they basically just blamed everyone else what they should have said is we have consistently squatted shareholder capital over the last you, you can choose your number of years and we've proven to you that the best option is a takeover. Squandered. I'm, I'm, I'm being a bit harsh. It's just, I'm, I'm, it, it is a hard business what they're doing. There's a lot of stuff that's outside of their control. You know, you, you're relying on commodity prices going in your favour. So there's, it's it's going to be a cyclical industry, as you know. And they've pro- and the management, no doubt, done the best best I can. Best I can. So all in all, I'd say that this takeover. You know, I'm a bit late in talking about it, but it has to be a. If I was a shareholder, I'd be taking it. That's for sure. The next and final stock I'll talk about is MetLife Care. They trade on the NZX under the ticker code MET. You have all heard of them. They are a retirement village operator. You always know when you're looking at a annual report of a retirement village company because you have all these photos of elderly people playing lawn bowls or riding bicycles with brand new retirement units glistening in the background and (laughs) the other thing you see is pictures of CEOs looking at tables steering thoughtfully in in the distance so that's how you know you've got a retirement village annual report I don't care if you're Raman Healthcare, Somerset, MetLife Care that's exactly what you see and it's it's funny because I actually went to on a tour of a Ryman facility once and all everyone was doing was, was sitting around. No one was in the pool. No one was playing lawn bowls. <laughs> but anyway, it's, it's just some quick front page highlights from the report. MetLife Care, they have 25 villages, 8 development locations, 5,600 residents and 1,000 staff. Staff to resident ratio of 1 to 5.6 people. Um much better than a school. <laughs> not not sure if, if staff to resident is a metric. If, if, if it's not, then I just made it up. I'd trademark that. A- according to the report, they have a 97% village occupancy, 96% key occupancy. So they're, they're running at capacity pretty much. Um, and they have 3,984 independent living homes and they're building another 1,100 in the development bank. They've got 3.5 billion in assets. Interestingly, they have net assets of just under 1.5 billion and they're trading at a market cap of less than a billion. So I think 
from memory, they're the only operator that's trading this significantly under the net tangible asset value. By operator, I mean other retirement operator. So obviously with MetLife, they're trying to expand. The interesting thing for me is that they're not achieving this growth from cash flow. So at, at least for the last two years, they're choosing to take on debt in order to grow. And this, as you know, is, is not uncommon in the property sector. And re- these retirement companies, are at least partially, and well, not partially, but the majority that you think about them as property companies. So not uncommon in the property sector to grow by debt, you know, to, to, to bring it down to down to a bit of a, a down-to-earth level. When, when you buy, an, say, an investment, residential investment property, you use debt to do it. When you use when you buy your second one, for example, not that I have two investment properties, but you, you fund that growth with debt. So in order for a property company to achieve a decent return on equity, you need to use debt. So just taking cash flow from operations, they, they generated $119 million before capital expenditures. And this $119 million on $3.5 billion in assets is 3.4%. However, $119 million on $1.4 billion in net assets or equity is 8.5%. So, which I guess a return on equity of 8.5% in a low interest rate environment from a property or retirement company is, is pretty darn good. So, it, it's... You know, eight point five—it is not that high enough to get my juices flying. But it'll be interesting to see how this would stack up in a in a higher interest rate environment. Interestingly, and and this might explain why it trades on a on a premium. But I just had a glance at Ryman's annual report, and they achieve eighteen point four percent in equity. Although I I note that Ryman spends more on capex. So even when you take this into an account, it's eleven and a half percent, which is still, you know. 3% higher than MetLife. So MetLife, I would say, is, is a company that it, it does what it say on, says on the tin, you know. Um, you shouldn't be able to easily go from $3.5 billion in assets to $7, seven billion in assets overnight unless there's some sort of huge property bubble coming up that, that we don't know about. But they, they might do that over 10 years, 15 years or whatever. So do not expect explosive growth. Um you know the interest rate environment, I believe, would be helping them a lot. Um, but I'd, ex- you know, mate, you're not going to expect this explosive growth, but you'd expect it to beat, to beat the bank, over the long term. There'll be ups and downs in that, of course. So, which altogether is not an unsatisfactory result. I'd keep an eye on the debt levels. Most likely, that's not going to be an issue in a low interest rate environment. But, you know, times, as you know, do have a have a habit of changing. So, MetLife Care, one to to keep on a watch list for sure. Hey, just before I go, head along to the website stockmarketmovers.co.nz. Did a blog, a blog post during the week about A2 Milk that you can jump on and read. From time to time, I'll I'll do blog posts maybe once every couple of weeks or once a month, just when I get the time to do it. So jump on and have a look, have a read, and let me know what you think. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. As a reminder, that nothing that I said today should be considered financial advice. If you're looking to find out more about the podcast, go to stockmarketmovers.co.nz. Find it and like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and share it with your friends. Email me at jeremy at stockmarketmovers.co.nz. Once again, my name is... Jeremy Medlin, and this has been episode 56 of the Stock Market Movers podcast for Friday the 6th of September 2019. We'll see you all again next week.